1: You are Locked On Rockets, your daily Houston Rockets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Lone
0: Opportunity. The Rockets had a lead in the fourth quarter at Oracle Arena in a game the Warriors were lacking Kevin Durant down the stretch, and they still could not close the deal. Golden State 104, Houston 99, Game 6 looms on Friday night, which the Rockets need to win now just to keep the series alive and get themselves one more shot at Oracle in a hypothetical Game 7 on Sunday afternoon. So to talk about how it went wrong in Game 5 and how they can improve it in Game 6 and hopefully beyond... Welcome in to a new episode here at Locked on Rockets, your home for daily podcast commentary on everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Ben DuBose, Rockets correspondent with Sports Talk 790, the team's official radio flagship in Houston. Today's show is sponsored by our friends over at ZipRecruiter. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash On to try the service for free. That's ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So as we chat this Thursday, both teams, the Rockets and the Warriors, are getting ready to hop a flight back to Houston to prepare for Friday night's Game 6. It could have potentially been a closeout game for the Rockets at a party in downtown Houston. Now it's one that they'll need to win just to stay alive in the series and get themselves one final shot at Oracle Arena. They're going to have to win a road game to get this series because of the way they started the season, 11 and 14, which cost them any shot at getting home court against the Warriors. And to this point, it's been the difference in the series. So today's show, we'll spend the first segment looking at Game 5. In segments 2 and 3, we'll look at some recent playoff parallels. We'll also talk about Kevin Durant's injury. They're calling it a calf strain, not as bad as the initial Achilles fears that were out there when he went down a non-contact injury after a shot. But regardless, the Warriors immediately ruling him out for Game 5 and then telling the Athletics Steve Kerr, that Durant is incredibly unlikely to play in Game 6. Certainly, it seems he's out for then, and then a Game 7, even though he'll be getting round-the-clock treatment, that's just three days away. In my opinion, it's hard to see KD being ready by then. So in latter segments, we'll talk about what that means for the series, both sides, as we move forward. Here off the top, though, I want to focus specifically on Game 5 and how the Rockets let this golden opportunity slip away. And when I look at the box score, I think you almost have to divide this game into the macro and the micro. The macro is the game as a whole, and the micro is the fourth quarter, which largely took place after Kevin Durant's injury. And at that point, the reason it's more telling, well, number one, in a close playoff game, we always blow late possessions out of proportion. It is what it is. Those are more important. And secondly, because the Warriors appear unlikely to have Kevin Durant for the final two games of the series, at least game six, then there might be more predictive value to be taken from how the two teams looked after he left the game. And for a Warriors side that scored just 17 or 15, excuse me, in the third quarter with Kevin Durant to see them bounce back with 32 in the fourth. Yeah, there's some positives that they can draw upon, certainly, as they get ready for game six in the game that they'll have an opportunity to close out the Rockets and perhaps buy some extra rest for Kevin Durant entering later rounds of the postseason. Hopefully, that's not what happens. We'll talk about that more as the podcast moves along. As far as the macro, I'll start with that, because when you look at the box score, Chris Paul, Clint Capella combined 17 points on 6 of 24 shooting. These are two guys that you are paying nearly $50 million combined to be your secondary stars alongside James Harden. If they shoot 25% and score 17 points combined, it's tough to win at Oracle Arena. Even if Kevin Durant leaves early, there's still so much talent. Steph Curry scored 25, and of his 25, 12 came in the fourth quarter. He stepped up after KD left. Klay Thompson, he finally had the quintessential Clay game, 11 of 20, 5 of 10 from 3, 27 points. Iguodala showed no ill effects defensively from the hyperextended knee he suffered late in Game 4. Draymond had 12 rebounds, 11 assists. This was, even without KD, a really good Warriors team playing at home. There's so much culture, history, cohesion. They're comfortable playing together. Wins are not going to come easy for the Rockets in that gym, and that's why letting one that they led in the fourth quarter ultimately slip away is so painful because you don't know if you're going to get another similar opportunity. So when the Warriors are at home and you have a lot of those guys clicking, it's hard to see a recipe for the Rockets to win if Chris Paul and Clint Capella play the way they did. Clint Capella is nearly seven feet tall, his shots are right at the rim, and he made only 30%. Chris Paul is a Hall of Famer, In the series a year ago between the Rockets and the Warriors, he took over games, especially the one win that they got at Oracle game four. So many key shots in the second half. Didn't make a three tonight. Overall shot just 21%. And this is a guy who is getting paid over $35 million this season. It's just tough to see how you win a game in that gym if two guys that you've committed $50 million to combined, roughly, are giving you 17 points combined on six of 24 shooting. I just don't know how you overcome that from a macro standpoint. James Harden was very good, 31 points, 8 assists, 4 rebounds, 4 steals. Extremely efficient, shot 63% from the field, but it's hard to see a recipe, even with James playing well, if you don't get the help from the supporting cast. And it wasn't just Chris Paul and Clint Capella. They were obviously the two guys that stand out the most. Eric Gordon, 19 points, 5 of 14 from the field, but that included 5 of 7 in the second half. In the first half, he was 0 of 7 for just 4 points. That's a big part of why the Rockets were down 14 after the first quarter and down by as much as 20 in the second. They could not get anything going offensively. Golden State led 57-43 at the half, and the Rockets got to just 99 points, not even triple figures for the game as a whole. So Gordon thankfully got going, but he had a slow start. Chris Paul, Clint Capella, they were poor for the game as a whole. Austin Rivers off the bench, who has been so good throughout this series, was a team worst, minus 20. So from a macro standpoint, the supporting cast, the guys around James Harden, really other than P.J. Tucker, who played 45 minutes, had 13 and 10, made 3 of 5 from behind the arc, 5 of 9 overall. Other than P.J., no one for the Rockets outside of Harden did what they needed to do to win a game in that gym. That's just the reality when you look at the game as a whole. Now, with regards to the fourth quarter, it's interesting because it was different. In the fourth quarter, the problem for the Rockets was not offense. That actually got going down the stretch of the game. The problem was that they couldn't get defense. They couldn't get the stops. And perhaps there's an overlapping theme of rebounding issues, the Rockets, when they won the two games in Game 3 and Game 4, they were plus 13.5 on average on the glass. The two they lost, Game 1 and Game 2, they were an average of minus 8. In Game 5, they were minus 3, 42 to 39. So while slightly better than the first two, definitely closer to the first two that they lost than the middle two that they won. So the rebounding, that was an issue early and late in the game. And really, the Rockets' best rebounder, Clint Capella, 14 and 26 minutes, it made it especially problematic because... Clint Capella was such an offensive liability. He was so timid. Mentally, he looked out of sorts by the lineups the Warriors were throwing at him. And yet, if you wanted to get any rebounds, you felt like you had to play him. So it was damned if you do, damned if you don't. Late in the game, in the fourth quarter, the Rockets gave up an 8-2 run from the Warriors from about the four-minute mark to about the two-and-a-half-minute mark. It was culminated by that Klay Thompson three. Well, what happened in there... They got second chances. The Warriors did. It was a five-point game after the Draymond three, and then Tucker answered with a three, but his heel was out of bounds, so it didn't count. Then the Warriors went down. They missed their first shot, but Kevon Looney got the offensive rebound. This was with Capella not on the floor, and they got a second chance, and Clay buried the three to put him up by eight with two and a half minutes, and that was tough to overcome. Then the Rockets came back with Clint Capella because they felt they needed him on the glass. So the rebounding, it was damned if you do, damned if you don't. Capella made them more competitive on the glass, but he cost them in other areas. If they went with the tuck wagon lineup, then you didn't have the Capella problem, but then you weren't able to secure the rebounds and the loose balls. So no matter what Mike D'Antoni did, he was behind the eight ball. And I do think those themes overlapped. From the macro of the game as a whole, the Rockets building that 20-point deficit, which is tough to overcome. And then the micro of what happened in the fourth quarter specifically, when the Rockets had an early lead, but ultimately the Warriors ended up winning the period 32 to 27, and it entered tied, and Golden State, even without KD, just outplayed the Rockets down the stretch. That's the reality. And as far as what to take, I think the Rockets lost the game because they couldn't get stops. It's really that simple. A lot of the hot take shows, I've seen some criticism of James Harden. That's ridiculous. The criticism I've seen is that perhaps should Harden have been more aggressive because he shot just one time in the final seven minutes of the game, he checked back in at the 7.09 mark. My answer is why? The Rockets had an offensive rating of nearly 129 in the final seven minutes of that game. From the 6.24 mark until the final four seconds, I'm excluding the final four seconds because the Rockets are out of timeouts, down five. That trip just doesn't matter. The Rockets had 11 possessions in total. They scored on eight of them. The three that they didn't, one was a missed layup from P.J. Tucker. It's a good look. He just got to make it. Another was a made three from P.J. Tucker, which didn't count because his heel was out of bounds. Can't complain about the execution. You got an open look. He made it. It's just got to be better and not have his heel out of bounds. That's just common sense, fundamental basketball. And the third was an offensive foul by Chris Paul, when the shot clock was not even a 10, meaning that Harden may have gotten the ball that possession anyway to shoot, but because Chris Paul took the bait and plowed into Draymond, the Rockets didn't get an opportunity. So offense, when you score 18 points in the final six twenty-four in a game that the Rockets scored 99 for the game, 18 in the final six minutes, that's a 36-point pace. When you look at that, 8 of 11 possessions, ending up with points, that was not where the Rockets lost the game. They lost the game because they couldn't get stops. The loose balls went Golden State's way. They also had some fortunate bounces. I thought, in particular, when they were up four, the Warriors were, and Curry missed with a little over a minute to go. That bouncing right back to them really, really hurt. The Warriors also had threes in the fourth from Draymond Green and Jonas Jurebko, which is rather unlucky. It wasn't all things that the Rockets could control, but there were certainly a lot of them, and they were not able to get it done. So when you look at this game, obviously, the macro level, Chris Paul, Clint Capella, they were nowhere near good enough. But even in the fourth quarter, the micro of that, offensively, there's no reason for James Harden to shoot just to shoot. Now, if the Rockets are struggling, then yeah, it's on him to get them going, and I'm sure he would have. But there's no reason for James Harden, who, by the way, was being doubled a decent bit in that stretch, to force up a three for the sake of just saying, oh, I shot, even if it's a 30-footer over one and a half defenders. That's terrible if your teammates are making shots and your team is scoring. What the Rockets needed was to get loose balls, to get stops on the other end. They were not able to do so. And really, that's been the story of the series. As mentioned, the Rockets have a minus, a negative rebounding differential in the games that they've lost and a positive differential by double figures in the two games that they've won for the season as a whole. The defense, it's kind of defined what they've been as a team. They didn't turn it around until after the All-Star break, and that's when they finally got to a top 10 level, top 5 defensively for most of the year. They were bottom 10 in the league, and defensive rebounding plummeted. This has been what has plagued them, and so in many ways, it's fitting that in what could be the defining game of their season, not yet, they'll have an opportunity to redeem themselves, but ultimately, that is what went wrong. Offensively, the Rockets were fine. Now, for the game as a whole, they weren't. That goes back to Eric Gordon's slow start, Clint Capella, Chris Paul not giving you what they should. For the game as a whole, offense was a problem. And so that's why I want to draw that distinction. Perhaps the fourth quarter doesn't matter if the Rockets don't fall behind by 20 in the first half, and then they're playing from in front by 10, entering the fourth as they were in game four, rather than tied. That's what made it close enough to where that closing kick from Stephen Curry could make a difference. So no, the offense was a problem for the game as a whole, and I'm looking squarely at CP3, Eric Gordon in the first half, Clint Capella, Austin Rivers, they play a large role in that. Down the stretch of the game, however, if you want to focus on that and what happened after the Rockets and Warriors were playing without Kevin Durant on the floor, the big thing is that they couldn't get stops. The Warriors went from 15 points in the third quarter with KD to 32 in the fourth quarter without him. And a lot of it had to do with just getting second chances. And some of it was bounces, but some of it, they just simply wanted the game more. They were at home, they were more desperate. And now because of it, the Rockets are the desperate team entering Friday's game six. We'll continue our recap momentarily with a bit more discussion of the Kevin Durant injury and also some historical playoff parallels. But for now, I do want to pause and acknowledge our awesome sponsors over at ZipRecruiter, the folks responsible for bringing you today's show. And you know, hiring used to be hard multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. That's ZipRecruiter.com. locked on. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over a hundred of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience, and they then invite them to apply to your job. As the applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so that you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. That's ziprecruiter.com slash locked on. ziprecruiter.com slash L O C K E D O N. ziprecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.
1: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: All right, now jumping back into the program. This is Locked On Rockets. I'm your host, Ben DuBose. Today on this Thursday, we're recapping Houston's 104-99 gut punch of a loss in Game 5 at Golden State. And also looking ahead to Game 6, which looms on Friday night. Houston trailing three games to two now needs to win that Game 6 just to keep the series alive and give themselves one more shot in a hypothetical Game 7, which would take place on Sunday afternoon at Oracle Arena back in Oakland, California. We spent Segment 1 discussing Game 5 in particular, both the macro, the disappointments of Chris Paul and Clint Capella, and the micro of what went wrong for the Rockets in the fourth quarter when they entered tied, had a lead in the first few moments, but were not able to hold on in the reality that James Harden, who for the game at 31 points on 63% shooting, eight assists, four steals, four boards, taking entirely too much blame. He didn't shoot a lot down the stretch, but the Rockets offense down the stretch was not the problem in this game. Point to the possession in which the Rockets clearly needed something from Harden that would have been better than what they got. Again, the final six minutes of the game, The the only three possessions the Rockets did not score, one was a Chris Paul offensive foul that happened before the shot clock even got to 10. That's on Chris for taking the bait from Draymond. He wasn't even attacking the rim. Who knows? Chris Paul may end up passing to James Harden on that possession. It happened too early. That's on Chris. And by the way, the Rockets scored that possession anyway because Draymond, after the contact, got a technical foul. The other two, P.J. Tucker missed a layup, and P.J. Tucker hit a three but had his heel out of bounds. Look, he was open for a corner three. That's his specialty. He made it. He's just got to be more disciplined to have his feet in balance. And the other is a layup. It's right at the rim. He's got to make those. So the quality of the shots was not the issue for the Rockets. Offensively, they scored 18 in the final 6:20. They were good. The problem was they couldn't get stops. Golden State scored 32. And even without KD, they reminded you why they can be so formidable. So here in segment two, we're going to be looking ahead to game six. And a bet to Game 7 as well, if the Rockets are fortunate enough to get to that point. And a Warriors side that does not seem like they'll have Kevin Durant. And the outlook after the game from Steve Kerr, he told The Athletic that it's incredibly unlikely that Durant plays in Game 6. My guess is that he's going to be getting round-the-clock treatment, and it's probably not worth even putting him on the plane flight to go to Houston. They're not ruling him out for Game 7, but a calf injury, it's somewhat similar to the Game 5 hamstring that Chris Paul suffered a year ago generally it's tough to bounce back in four days or less. So I would say the odds are against KD playing in a game seven. You never know. He'll have an MRI today. And if it's a grade one, crazier things have happened. He is younger than Chris Paul. Perhaps he can bounce back and play in a game seven, but I think that's unlikely. And even if he does, he's probably going to be nowhere near 100%, which he's been for the majority of the series, obviously, when he's been Golden State's best player. So In terms of what it means, first off, it's good that KD did not tear his Achilles, which it looked like was a definite possibility, the non-contact way that he went down late in the third quarter. I think for the star of the NBA that's entering free agency this summer, that would have been a devastating outcome. So happy for Durant that that's not the case. As far as what it means going forward, one thing that I do not believe, I don't look at it through the prism of the Rockets missed an opportunity without KD, so how are they going to beat them, the Warriors that is, if Kevin Durant comes back? It's not that simple. First off, it's kind of doubtful he comes back to this series, but let's go through the hypothetical quickly that he does. The Rockets were still within three late in the third quarter in a period in which the Rockets held Golden State to just 15 points. And that was before Kevin Durant got hurt. They actually had a more negative differential, minus two in about 16 minutes, than they did in the first 32, 33 that Kevin Durant played. They're actually... Uh, Minus three, the Rockets were, but on a proportional minute-by-minute basis, they're actually a bit more efficient when KD played than when he didn't. So it's not as if the minutes that the Rockets played against the Warriors with KD, they just ran them out of the gym. No, I don't think you need to fear that it's kind of like the boogeyman waiting for you if you go back to Oracle and he plays. It's not that simple. What I think happens to the Warriors, if Kevin Durant is not out there, their outcomes become more varied. They have a lower floor, but a higher ceiling. And first off, you could never assume that it's going to be easy, because even without KD, look, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala, that's the core four. Those are the guys that won a title without KD, and then they won 73 games, and the Western Conference without KD. That's why Durant's addition was so ridiculous. You're putting him on top of a team that was already the best in the NBA. They are still really, really good. Steph Curry is a multiple-time MVP, and even though he struggled throughout much of the first three quarters of the game... He got going down the stretch 12 in the fourth quarter and reminded you that if they have to run the offense through him more, he's more than capable of doing that. Generally, what's going to happen, Durant is the release valve. When things get really sticky, they can give the ball to KD, and often in the mid-range, he can get a good look, and he's really good at making those. In this case, they're not going to have that. So I think now if the offense runs even more through Steph and Clay, you're going to simply have more three-point attempts, and it's going to be a more wide variety of outcomes if they're hot they can have periods like they did in the fourth of game five when they score 32 and that's especially the case if guys like Jonas Jerebko, Draymond Green hit threes because the Rockets undoubtedly are going to swarm Clay Thompson, Steph Curry even more now so they'll live even more with the likes of Draymond, Jurebko, whoever it may be we'll see if the Warriors stay small or perhaps with Kevon Looney playing so well they try and match Capella's size with Looney we'll see what Kerr's adjustment is in a game six But I think the general outcome, you're going to see the Warriors more dependent on the three-point shot. And it's more possible in this scenario that they get blown out. Because if the threes aren't falling, then you don't have Durant as an ability when things look really bad to bail you out. But there's also a chance that you could be even better. Because some of those Durant shots from mid-range when things get sticky, all of a sudden it's a Curry or Thompson shot from three. And over the course of 48 minutes, that can be a math problem. So there's history showing the Warriors is great without KD. Certainly they showed it for a small sample size in Game 5. And in the context of any one game, they can be better. The floor without KD is lower, but the ceiling might actually be higher because of the reliance on the three-point shot. So that's why I wouldn't celebrate it too much. It's still going to be a daunting task to beat the Warriors even without KD. My general sense is that the longer that the series moves along, the more likely it is that the Warriors are going to be hurt by this. In a small sample size, they might actually rally around it. Think back to a year ago after the Rockets lost Chris Paul. They started Game 6 at Oracle Arena up 17. They then got up 15 in Game 7. In the short term, especially for teams this good, this experienced, they can rally around it. And I'm sure Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, they'll look at it as an opportunity. Even though they've been winning, I'm sure to some extent they don't like being in the shadows of what's turned into Kevin Durant's team the past couple of years. This is their opportunity to remind the world and Clay entering free agency just how good they are. In the short term, I think that can absolutely be a rallying cry. Win this for KD, and of course if the Warriors win game six, that means more rest before the next round, and perhaps KD ends up coming back in that series. That's something that Steve Kerr is going to be pushing, and that's why if you're the Rockets, you cannot take anything for granted. They are still more than capable of beating you. The upside as I see it, the longer the series moves along, the less likely that they're simply going to be hot wins out. The logic of even if you play good defense, Steph, Clay, they can just make some contested shots. In any one particular quarter or game, that can happen. But the longer the sample size is, the more predictable they get. I don't think they have the same extra gear in terms of their athleticism. We talk about Chris Paul losing his a lot, which is true. But I also don't think Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, they're the same guys they were three years ago. The longer the Rockets can push this series along, the more likely it is that even if they do rally around this in the short term, that in the long run, it ends up catching up with them. To use that example from a year ago. The Rockets got up 17 in Game 6. They ended up losing by almost 30, and they just ran out of gas in the second half. Game 7, they started well. Then they had the O of 27 stretch. I'm not saying it's necessarily going to be that extreme for the Warriors, but the longer that you can play things out, the more likely, in my opinion, that they are going to have a cold stretch. And then at that point, where does the offense come from for Golden State? The Rockets are going to have to be psychologically tough. I think the key is to extend this series. Obviously, they have to win... Friday's game six, just to keep it alive. But the key is just not get rattled by any run because they are going to be more volatile. The Warriors are going to have more peaks, but they should, at least on paper, have more valleys as well. The key is for the Rockets to hang around. Obviously, you got to win game six, period, just to force the game seven. And then the more you can hang around, the more that hopefully you can take advantage of some of those valleys because the Warriors are not going to have Kevin Durant to bail them out. So that's my general outlook on that. If he's out for the series, and that seems more likely than not, I do think it's a slight positive for Houston. Let's not get carried away. They're still perfectly capable of beating you. That said, I also wouldn't say that, well, the Warriors are better off simply because they scored 32 in the fourth quarter of Game 5 without it. That's a short-term thing, and it's also tough for the Rockets to adjust their game plan on the fly, especially because they didn't even know immediately if Durant was out for the game. Now they'll have a day off. They'll look at film today, Thursday. They'll be able to discuss things as a unit. They know he won't be out there for Game 6. Seems highly likely that he won't be out there Game 7 as well. So they're going to have opportunities to do things that they couldn't on the fly in Game 5. So while, again, I wouldn't take it as a victory lap for the Rockets, I also would not look at it as though, well, the Warriors were fine without him in game five, so they're going to be fine without him in game six. That's an overstatement as well. We have seen stretches from the Rockets in this series where defensively they can be really, really good. And one of the only things that's bailed the Warriors out is the ability of Kevin Durant, nearly seven feet tall, just to go out there and make a play. Now Golden State does not have that. They they do still have a lot of three point shooting. There's going to be a lot of variance and the Rockets have to stay strong and not get caught up in some of the early haymakers. But generally speaking, the longer the series goes along, the more I think things are going to settle in, and it's going to give the Rockets an opportunity. It's not a given that they take advantage, but it's definitely something that, in my opinion, should be a net positive as the Rockets try to dig themselves out of this 3-2 hole. Now we'll talk more about some historical playoff parallels in a moment in our third and final segment, but for now I do want to remind you guys that to get this show each and every day, please subscribe to Locked on Rockets on the new Himalaya Podcast app. In this ever expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally created playlist and new features each and every day. Download Himalaya at your App Store and subscribe to Locked On Rockets.
1: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Final thoughts in our third and final segment here at Locked On Rockets. I'm your host, Ben DuBose. Today we're recapping. This is Thursday, the Game 5 loss late Wednesday night. Warriors 104, Rockets 99. And that sets up a must-win Game 6 for the Rockets on Friday night in Houston. So we looked at Game 5 in the first segment. We looked at Kevin Durant's calf injury in the second, why it looks like he's probably out for the series. Similar to Chris Paul's hamstring a year ago, it's the type of injury where in basically three days at this point, it's tough to see enough of a recovery to where he's able to go. Steve has already said that he's unable to play. Well, those weren't his words. Incredibly unlikely was what Steve said The odds seem to be that Durant will stay in Oakland, get round-the-clock treatment, and then who knows? He is younger than Chris Paul a year ago, so maybe there's an outside shot if the MRI shows a grade one strain that he's able to go in Sunday's Game 7, if there is one, but certainly not a given. And just like Chris Paul a year ago, it appears to be less likely than likely, to use the phrase leaked from the Rockets, that Durant will be able to return. Should that change, of course, we'll jump back in here at Locked on Rockets and discuss the ramifications of that. Here in the third and final segment, as far as psychology, I mentioned that because I think the Warriors without KD, there's more variance. They're going to be shooting a lot more threes. We saw that in the fourth quarter when not just Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, who hit some, but Jonas Jarebko and Draymond Green even hit. And at times, when it increases the variance for Golden State, which is generally what I think missing KD will do, make them more reliant on the three-point shot, those Haymakers against the Warriors, and again, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andre Hudala, Draymond Green, they have been really, really good champions, in fact, without KD. That can be daunting, and the Rockets have no margin for error anymore. Down three games to two, this is the test. Can Houston be clutch city? They cannot afford to let anything else slip away. They have got to take advantage of every opportunity. And as I see it, there's multiple ways this series can go there's positives and there's negatives that the Rockets can draw upon. In their own very recent playoff history of a team going up three games to two in the playoffs, but then losing a star player in Game 5. The negative example, I'll start with that because that's less fun, 2017 Rocket Spurs. This was very similar in that the Spurs won a home Game 5 despite losing their star Kawhi Leonard early due to injury. The Rockets had every opportunity to get that game. They couldn't. Everyone assumed that with Kawhi unable to play in Game 6, that the Rockets would win that and force a Game 7. Houston's at home. The Spurs without their star. And what happened? The Spurs won by nearly 40. And the psychology of the Game 4, or the Game 5 loss, excuse me, was too much to overcome. I don't think that should happen here. For starters, that Rockets team two years ago didn't have Chris Paul and P.J. Tucker. They're mentally tougher now. And secondly... I think this is a bit easier, this particular series, to get over what happened in Game 5 because it's not like the Rockets have been incredibly unlucky this series. Game 3 and Game 4 could have easily gone the other way. Game 3, at the end of regulation, Kevin Durant had a 17-footer in a tie game with 20 seconds left that could have given the Warriors the lead. He missed it, and the Rockets went on to win in overtime. They could have been easily down 3 nothing. Andre Iguodala's 3 put them up, the Warriors, with just 45 seconds left. Then game four, both Kevin Durant and Steph Curry had open looks from three to tie the game in the final 10 seconds. They missed. So that Spurs series, what was so frustrating is that it was all right there for them and it felt like they were the better team. Game one, game four, they won in blowouts. So really, it was easy to say, man, what if this was our opportunity? This series, to some degree, that's true, but the Rockets, they can look back to the games they won and it's not as if they just clearly outclass Golden State. No, they got some bounces too. And at this point, both of these teams are great These games have all gone down to the wire. None of them has been decided by a margin greater than six. So the Rockets, you just get over it and you got to go out there and execute. It's that simple. So I don't think it's the same dynamic as two years ago against the Spurs. That said, that's an example of how you lose a game five and you can't take for granted, even if the team up 3-2 doesn't have its star player. Yeah, it can still go wrong for you. An example on the other side of the equation, much more positively, although it did involve a Rockets loss, of course, it's Rockets Warriors from a year ago, When the Rockets won Game 5, the game in which they lost their star player, Chris Paul, but then were not able to win Game 6 or Game 7 because Chris Paul was not out there. That's the biggest reason for that. So I think that's the positive example. If you're the Rockets, and I think it's also Houston fans, Game 6 would have been amazing if it were a closeout opportunity. But you know what? You just saw the Warriors in this identical situation a year ago pull the series out. So there's no reason for the team or the fans, anyone to mope and say, wow, this could have been the closeout now, we just have to win to get a road game seven. No, you saw just a year ago, the team that had a lot of culture that lost their star player, that being the Rockets a year ago, they were able to pull out game five, a gritty effort at home, but they just ran out of horses in game six and game seven. Now the same exact storyline can happen the other way. So if you need some incentive to get up for game six, To buy into how can the Rockets overcome this deficit when at home to stay alive and then take the road game seven? The Warriors just showed you the way last year when the Rockets had their star out. Now the shoe is on the other foot. Injuries, nobody likes them, but they are a part of the game. The Rockets have the same opportunity. So, in my opinion, if they need a positive, just look to the other locker room. They know good and well that the Rockets were in the same spot a year ago that the Warriors are in right now, and they lost the series. So no, it's not over. The team, they can't be too down on themselves, and neither can the fans, because Game 6, in my opinion, is the one in which the Warriors are going to try to make an early statement. They want to get Kevin Durant more rest. They know that the Rockets are a bit frustrated at the moment by how Game 5 ended. I think on the road, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, they recognize it's an opportunity to kind of rewrite their legacies might be a bit extreme because certainly they're winners but at least the past couple of years they've been supporting actors to a team that's led by Kevin Durant. They know this is an opportunity especially if they win on the road to make people realize around the entire world just how good they are. They're going to try and land haymakers and inherently because they're going to be shooting more threes there's going to be more volatility and there's going to be more peaks for those guys. The Rockets the fans collectively they just need to have the psychology the toughness to withstand those keep the games going, and if they do that, then over time, the Warriors not having Kevin Durant should be a factor. Does it guarantee the Rockets will win the series? Nope. Even without KD, I think it's definitely less than 50-50 that the Rockets win the series at this point. Golden State only has to win one game. One of those is a home game seven. So even though tactically, the fact the Rockets have been so competitive with the Warriors, even with Kevin Durant, now they lose it, you can make a compelling case that the Rockets on paper should win these games. Fact is, Golden State only has to win one of them, so I think the odds are still in their favor. That said, for the Rockets, it's one possession at a time. Not even one quarter, it's one possession. Stay in there, grind. What's been the story of this series, the Rockets, they win the games when they get the loose balls, they get the rebounds, when they want it more. Golden State, even without KD, down the stretch in the fourth quarter, it helped that they made a few threes, but beyond that, the Rockets just could not get the stops. That's what's got to change in Game 6, and... If it does, all they need to do is look at the other locker room to see that, yeah, they are fully capable of winning a Road Game 7, especially if the Warriors don't have their star in Kevin Durant. Anyway, this is where we'll break on this Thursday. As always, I appreciate y'all so much for tuning in. And if you want more content before our next episode, which will be recapping, Game six this weekend, the best place to get it, is on Twitter. I'm on there at Ben DuBose. The show is on there at Locked on Rockets. Be on Twitter. If that's not your thing, we have got a Facebook account, facebook.com slash Rockets, a website, Locked an email address, Locked on Rockets at gmail.com. All those are ways that you can access prior content. You can ask me questions about the team, make suggestions for the show, or inquire about how to become a potential advertiser of this program, just as our friends at ZipRecruiter were today. Remember, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on and you can try the service for free. That's ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Also, beyond supporting our sponsors and checking out prior content, interacting, those types of things, if you'd also be kind enough to go a step beyond listening and subscribe to the show, you can do so with the new Himalaya Podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And if you would be kind enough, you can also leave a positive five-star review and help us look attractive to other potential advertisers and keep the business model rolling here at Lockdown Rockets as the only daily podcast covering Houston Rockets basketball. Also remember that when you get in your car, you can tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown Rockets and listen to our most recent episode that way as well. With the plugs out of the way, this is where we break on this Thursday. Once again, the unhappy final from Oracle Arena, Warriors 104, Rockets 99, Golden State, Leads the best of seven series three games to two. A must win game six for the Rockets awaits on Friday night at Toyota Center. After the game, we'll be breaking down whatever happens. Hopefully, we're talking about a game seven, the Rockets keeping their unbeaten home postseason streak alive and pushing the Warriors to the brink for a second consecutive year and looking ahead to what the Rockets can do on Sunday afternoon. Of course, there's also the possibility that, well, it could be the end of the season for the Rockets, who are now up against the brink of elimination. Whatever happens, though, we'll be back this weekend to break it all down right here at Locked on Rockets, your home for daily discussion of everything Houston Rockets basketball.
1: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.